Hello and welcome to whatever this is or isn't or will be, otherwise known as to whom it may concern. And it may just concern you wherever it is you're listening to this from. I am currently in Düsseldorf in Germany, which is very weird. <laughs> I will say I am visiting my brother given the state of the situation in Poland um and ukraine right now uh, i felt like i wanted to be close to family like i wanted to be near family and turns out that family can sometimes be very complicated as i believe we all very much know and i've been thinking a lot about why that is There are a couple of things that I wanted to talk about tonight, but given that I still don't have the time uh, that I would like to have, right, and the privacy that I would like to have in this case to be able to just like sit for an hour and just talk about a particular topic uh, and explore, deconstruct it and reconstruct it again as part of like a new narrative, right? A new narrative, a new understanding. Um, it's been kind of impossible to do so for the past two months and I truly missed it. And I understand that sometimes this is also going to happen, right? This will be part of the process of discovery and of understanding the inner world that sometimes we will simply be pulled back and disconnected from it. And I've been, and this disconnection is essentially the way that it happens, I wouldn't say that uh, it's very much identifiable or that you can tell the steps of, or, of when it is happening. It's just that life is very chaotic and happens every day, right? Um, and as it happens, we don't, we don't necessarily have this control over it to say, okay, you can slow down now, you can speed up now, right? It just sort of happens to us. And we go on this roller coaster and that's why we try to have discipline and we try to put habits in place that at the very least, they become sort of pit stops in our cycle of life. Um, they become pit stops in the chaos of life and in, in the disorder of life, in this entropy that kind of forces us to expand and push us beyond our boundaries of comfort. We can continuously and we should keep making routines within them. That's kind of how I see it in, in any case. I'm definitely not a routine person. I am by far the last person that you should talk about for routine. Like my routine generally uh, involves a, a ballpark bed night, <laughs> a ballpark of a bedtime, not a bed night. What, what does that even mean? Ballpark of a bedtime and a ballpark of when is like my ideal time to wake up and what I like to do in the morning. Uh, but generally even that changes a lot. Like it's very difficult for me to maintain a routine. But I am very much aware now, like as I'm growing up, <laughs> I know I'm not that young, but, you know, growing up, maybe let me, maybe let's say consciously growing up uh, or growing up in self-awareness, maybe even better way to say it. So sort of gaining this emotional maturity, which I can come back and talk about that later. Um, I realized that I am definitely the kind of person that would benefit most from a routine. Even if I uh, generally saw myself throughout my life as somebody who could never maintain a routine, that's probably a routine is not going to be good for me, right? Because I never had it. So obviously it's not good for me. 
Uh, the more I grow, the more I realize that I am exactly the kind of person that routines were made for. <laughs> because if I don't have one, then I am very easily, like very, very easily taken in this roller coaster and I can just as much enjoy the roller coaster and kind of feel like I'm thriving in a roller coaster setting as much, but not as much, absolutely not as much as I feel like I can thrive under a particular streamlined routine within which then like I can allow myself time to be creative and to be spontaneous, right? Which was a very weird realization about myself. Um, a very, very weird realization about myself. And, and come to think about it, right? Come to think of it. I think a lot of people, like a lot of us, um, are the same way. Like we grow our entire lives thinking that one thing benefits us over another. And then we sort of, growing up, we don't necessarily have something that challenges this belief of ours. So we just stick with that mentality. We stick with this idea that, oh, I've always been this way. Thus, most definitely, I do not need to change, right? Like I do not need to invest some time into particularly changing this aspect because I've just always been like this. Like, why would I change? I survived. I've came so far. I've came so long. I've, I've come so far, right? I've, I've, I've existed this long and I've been, you know, fine living up to this point. So why would I change anything? Why should I change anything? And I think it's somewhere in the process of therapy where we realize like, okay, like once we sort of decide to start going to therapy, it's this idea, especially for us coming from cultures and backgrounds where therapy is frowned upon because like you're challenging your core narratives and that core narrative is a blueprint that you've downloaded from your environment right that it's a blueprint that you've downloaded from your surroundings and it's or it's been handed to you and it's been told to you like here like cherish this appreciate this this is who we are as a like a national identity almost right and uh this is the kind of culture that 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 we have in Kosovo this is the kind of culture that I know that uh, countries in the Balkans have it's the kind of culture that generally Eastern Europe has right so like it can expand and there's a lot of cultures in the world that live under this mentality under this umbrella that it feels generally unsafe to go outside of that umbrella because it's exposure right it's exposure to to new ideas you get wet if you're outside of an umbrella but very few people know that actually dropping the umbrella and going out in the rain can also be an enjoyable process. It's part of life. It's part of living, right? Um, it actually reminds me of something that I used to do when I was in, in Florida, when I was studying there. I had a friend there, uh, and, and generally in, in Florida, it's always hot, right? Um, and it's, it's very humid, and it rains a lot, especially during rain season. And I don't quite remember which month that was. But basically when it rained, it poured. It absolutely poured. It it looked like you were essentially like some somebody up there was taking a shower and you were you were getting the thick of it. Like it was absolutely crazy. I'd never seen that much rain, maybe in like in my life. Um and at some point. I really, really, really wanted, like, I loved just going outside, um, either staying near the windows or weren't also, it was like so windy and rainy that also the windows like weren't safe, like underneath the, 
uh, roof. So you would have to be like on the insides of the glass and just stare outside. A friend of mine once came out to me and said, and we were just talking about the rain and I was looking outside and I'm like, oh man, I would really, really, really love to like run <laughs> through that and go back and probably like come back soaking wet. But uh, I really want to do it. And he was like, well, why aren't you doing it? Like, let's do it. I'm like, really? Like, you really want to do this? Like, he said, yeah, let's do it. And I just said, oh, okay, okay. Like, sure, let's do it. It's like, I needed that one small push. Uh, and we ended up doing it. It became a routine of ours. Like, every time it rained, we knew, like, when it rained that bad, like, we'd go outside and we'd just run through the rain. It was awesome. And just thinking about it now makes me smile ear to ear, which is a you know, it's, a, it's just a very beautiful, a very good memory. Uh, and it just goes to show, right? I mean, I, I was using this metaphor, but it is very interesting that we, when we do challenge our core beliefs, like when we do challenge the things that we have been taught, right? That this is the way that it's supposed to be. And this is the way that it should be. And this is the way that we should be living, or this is the way that you should become, or this is the way that you should be, period. Um, don't be anything else because anything else is either dangerous, not safe, it's uh, unhealthy, it's uh, deadly, whatever, right? Like they come up with all kinds of narratives to be able to keep you within this sort of blueprint. Um, I think this is what societies do generally to, to make sure that there is a perpetuation of the same cycle of existence. It's going back let's say maybe thousands of years if you were living in a tribe right the tribe had a way of life and that way of life made sure that the tribe existed for another decade or for more than that right so of course it became a lesson and and they, they became a way of living for a reason because it worked because it kept them alive but in today's day and age when essentially all risks in at least in first world and on up to the third world countries uh maybe not necessarily third world countries today but i come myself from a third world country and even there it's not like you have to fight for survival outside of the war context of course um but it's not like you well actually now that i think about it i i i take that back let's go a step backwards here because it's you definitely fight for survival but it's not like you're fighting against some kind of hunter, right? Like you're not fighting against the pyramid structure anymore. Like you are on the top of the pyramid. You are on the top of the pyramid scheme. Um, it's just that now people have developed their own pyramid scheme, pyramid scheme, and it depends where you are in it and what kind of predator, the kinds of predators that we run into in today's day and age are different from the kind of predators that we ran into then. Uh, if before it used to be a quadruped, right, a, a four-legged creature which would chase you around and, and, and chase you by the scent. Today's predators are two-legged. They look a lot like us, behave a lot like us. And it's just they have a different agenda that tends to be a bit more selfish, right, and kind of self-centric. Um, so maybe the pyramid scheme has changed a little bit. So you're, you're always kind of struggling for your life. That's absolutely for sure. The nature of survival has changed. Maybe this is the best way to say it. Uh, but for sure, though, we don't struggle the same way that our ancestors, that our great, great, great ancestors did. Um, and we don't have sort of the same uh, idea of like, we don't need to maintain the same ideas of the, the tribe mentality. We don't need it. It doesn't benefit us. If anything, actually, today is like a 
is like a potluck of, uh, of personalities and of people from all over the world. I feel like the more we've lifted borders and the more that we, the closer we have come to each other and with the development of the internet and with the development of the World Wide Web, right? We have all of a sudden, maybe beyond what we were capable of understanding when it first started happening, we were all of a sudden exposed to a complete, complete list like database of mentalities and indifference in these mentalities from places from the other side of the world that you didn't have to travel to the other side of the world to actually see and come to come to uh, to be challenged by right like you could just merely google a different culture and you would start learning new things about what they believe um so then aspects like judgment for example became they, they started getting more more and more strong because of this evolutionary aspect to keep your own to save your own to not change to maintain the status quo i think we we evolved uh or we are kind of evolving and we all we were learning for the past maybe millennia uh, to to just strive to maintain our status quo, no matter how much we are connecting and exposing ourselves to different cultures. And in, in some way, this benefited us, but actually it did not. It revealed a lot, of, a lot of aspects about humanity that we don't like now, right? Like now we we see things like racism or xenophobia, for example, and it's, it's all because of this idea that we our lack of exposure or generally the fact that we we connected or correlated with the length of our survival directly with uh <laughs> yeah the the length of our survival directly related to the the uh, maintaining of our status quo i think this is wrong because the next step to human evolution naturally and we can see this right human humans evolve not in the sameness of it right we didn't become human creatures from fucking from amoebas or from 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 one cells of creatures into who we are today we didn't evolve by maintaining the status quo actually it was a, this this state of entropy that kind of pushed us into mutations and mutations and mutations which were to our benefit right like we evolved despite of our environment or rather in spite of our environment we evolved to support that development to support the direction in which we were evolving, but by changing, through changing, through becoming more of who we are, right? In spite of our environment, generally speaking. And for sure, our survival was ensured if we were part of a community which already kind of had, let's say, the answers, right? Let's say, like, I don't know, already a community, think 10,000 years ago, 20,000 years ago, uh, and then the chieftain discovered that a particular mushroom was deadly. And now he tells that news to like 50 people immediately. Like, uh, it's not like I have to send letters to 50 people. And by the time the letters get to them, it's too late because they already ate the mushrooms, right? Or, you know, send horses to, to, the, other, to the other tribes and let them know, hey, these, these mushrooms are poisonous. Now, and this is why, this is why uh, the status quo kind of became so important because we needed to have information passed down or good proper information information that we consider to be healthy for us passed down fast and believed and just just understood right like not challenged in any way 
but because our nature of the nature of our survival started changing more from physiological, right? Like let's start avoiding things that kill us into more social, economical, etc. Like let's say philosophical or psychological or generally like non-related to our physiology, which we could see like the things that were more non-corporeal. Um, then it started to get a little bit tricky, right? Because now we were tapping into perhaps our subjective experience of reality. So now your mushroom, the one that you're eating might be deadly to you, but it might not be deadly to me, right? And, uh, and, and I mean, now the, the mushroom is simply a metaphor for some kind of social custom or some kind of yeah custom in the in the tribes or whatever it benefited one person but then it didn't benefit somebody else and right some people started feeling left out and then these social rules that we started putting in place weren't actually all encompassing they started becoming more and more segregatory that is the word for that hopefully it is um but I'm sure you get my point. So basically, we were we, we started getting more and more secluded into our categories of what benefited us versus what benefits them. Um, and it is, I think, this this is normal to the nature of the discovery of our subjective experience of the universe, right, of the world. Um, and in the 21st century, our subjective experience of the world is spread across different dimensions, right? It's not just like your physical body and it's not just about your emotional world now, like the, your feelings that we are learning about so much now. It's not about your, your, your neuroscientific self, right? Like how your hormones circulate around your body and what feeds what in your brain, like what kind of patterns are good for you, what kind of patterns are not, and why your brain confuses the two sometimes. You also operate on a meta metaphysical level, which is like who you are online, right? And then who you are becoming or who you are as in conceptually, where do you belong? Who are you? Are you part of this country or that country? Are you a nomad? Are you basically living in no man's land? Are you, who are you? So now we are trying to, in, in, instead of simply feeling excluded or secluded, or instead of simply feeling like, oh, we don't belong, or oh, this, this, this aspect of the custom does not benefit me, we're also digging deep into the subjectivity of our existence. And the more, and, and to just make clear this, this, this separation between objective and subjective, like objective experience of, the, of your existence is you eat the mushroom that you're not supposed to be eating because it's deadly and you die because it's just objectively poisonous, deadly to human bodies. Uh, I'm just going to say that it's like, deadly to every human body and let's not consider the cases where in hollywood movies there's that one person that is uh the protagonist that seems to be or in the video games i guess seems to be immune somehow and like they're the answer to everything which can happen actually because such is nature mutations happen because it needs to expand on its blueprint um but let's not digress that's the objective level of understanding you're like the objective experience of the of the universe is and should be the same for everybody um and then there is the subjective experience of the universe which is basically everything you see touch it is our ability see touch etc using all of your senses that are made available to you in your own corporeal body um, and through your corporeal body 
what you do experience and how you do experience and how it goes through the filters of your brain, which were established early on in your childhood, how you should be processing this data and how you should be translating it into what you should be translating it. This is the subjective experience. And why it's subjective and different for every single one of us, I believe, is because it is simply because it is affected by our environment. And we are all exposed to different environments growing up. Like there are no two people that experience the same things at once. Think, um, think of it like this. Like you have your set of eyes and ears and, and you have your skin and you have your, uh, your nose through which you can smell things, right? So you, you have your set of senses and I have mine. But on top of that, you have your perspective and I have mine. You can't see through my eyes and I can't see through yours. I can't experience the world through your senses. Similarly, as you can't experience the world through mine, right? So our subjective experience just on that premise alone is already different. Even if you and I are twins, right? Identical twins. There is, I dare say, like maybe, maybe if we were like tied to one another and we are, let's say, always going to the same place together, we, our perspectives are varying in degrees, right? If you if you draw a line from the middle of my forehead to where I'm looking, and then you draw a line from the middle of your forehead, let's imagine we're twins, right? From your forehead into where you're looking, even if we're looking at the same place, at the same spot, the angle with which I'm looking at it and the angle with which you're looking at it is going to be different. So this is as simply as I can put this kind of difference in subjective experience of the universe. This is like the most rudimentary way to explain it. And obviously it's much more than that, right? It's much more deeper than that. Um, and in knowing this and in understanding this, right? And also in, in us striving to maintain our status quo has been problematic in, in, in many, many, many different societies. And this is, I think, uh, the global struggle now to kind of get into this global status quo where we, because of the fact that we are now exposed to everything and practically everyone, all almost 7 million of us, are online and have access to the online world or have some kind of an online presence or generally you know we can travel we can explore we can we are there are there are uh, people from different cultures everywhere right so it's just a a, a mixing pot uh i think that's what it's called right the mixing pot of a culture was that the expression i can't quite Remember. So, uh, in this regard, like that, that's what my status quo being challenged looked like, right? But for my nephews and nieces, it's a totally different. Who knows what the status quo is going to look like for them growing up, right? Now I'm just observing it. It might be the ones that we create for them, or it might be a redefined status quo that now we're trying to change. And by we, I still mean our generation and uh, younger generations, um, which are constantly challenging the status quo and seek uh, that change, that difference to be made now before it's too late before we even get like into topics like climate change and like global topics that we really need to change the status quo for 
Uh, those are, I think, higher levels in the pyramid scheme that are going to take a lot longer to access into or drastic measures to um, actually affect, right? Because it, it takes a, a surmountable amount of energy to just work with ourselves, much less like, to work with outside communities. I think I said this in a different podcast episode um, where... Uh, where if you want to make change in the outer world, there's like seven layers of, of circles, right? If you want to change the world, you need to first start within. If you change, if you change, if you first start with working on yourself and like changing yourself, then you will be able to actually affect your family. And then you will be able to affect your community, then your city, then your country, um, then the world, right? And this is... This, I believe, is referring to status quo, right? The status quo, are you challenging it? How are you challenging it? And if you really want to change the status quo, do you actually know your own internal status quo and how it works, how it looks like, how it feels like, how it operates on a day-to-day? Do you know what you need and what you want and what the difference between the two are, right? Do you know how you seek to connect and how you seek to grow? And how does that look like on a day-to-day? How does your growth process look like? How does your process of becoming more of who you are look like? Does it change every day? What is being added and what is being removed? Are you adding things that are benefiting you or not? These are like questions that we ask um, ourselves as we grow up, as we become more and more self-aware, because we understand that if we don't answer these questions, then our subjective experience of the world is going to look a lot like suffering. This is at the very least something that I was discovering and I was understanding about my own process of growth, that for the most part of my life, suffering felt... Well, normal. It felt like it was part of the process. Uh, or a necessary part of the cycle. Not not even a process. Because it's not like it was changing, right? Process is good. Process is going towards change. But it was more so like the, uh, the part of the roller coaster, part of the cycle was suffering. And I'm going back to the very beginning of establishing routine and why that is so important. Is because it's maybe one of the simplest examples that I can take. But for sure, before I started learning that I'm the kind of person that I would definitely benefit from a routine. And I still, I'll tell you this, I still don't have a routine established because it takes everything from me to... To redesign the way that my brain expects things to happen and expects to do things and and rewards me for the things that I do, right? It, 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 it changes with every passing day that I challenge my status quo and I ask myself, okay, well, is this a good thing or is this not? I think this is why like some days we wake up and and I'm speaking like for myself here when I say like some days I wake up and I'm waking up after nine o'clock, for example, and uh, always ever since maybe the maybe ever since I can remember, maybe ever since primary school, if I would wake up after 830, I would wake up cranky. I would wake up exhausted. It just didn't feel like it's my clock. Right. I had to wake up even if it was a weekend. I had to wake up at 830 but no later than that, no matter what time of day I went to bed. 
And recently, for example, I've been unable to push myself to, to get up at 8.30. And that's how I know that I uh, basically I'm losing discipline. I'm losing a sense of discipline and I need to go back because my body seriously doesn't like to sleep beyond 8.30. I'm not sure why, but that's just how my biological clock is set up. Uh, I simply don't feel rested. And it's a very, very strange thing, but you know, it's, it's kind of. It, I know that it's. It. I know that it's a very stupid comparison to take right now, but uh, I, it, it's it's a very small way of me challenging the status quo, and it's a very small sign, or not small, but actually important sign for me to know that um, something is happening, and I am. I. It, it's calling basically for my mindfulness towards myself there's a lot of reasons which i will not go into right now as to why that's happening but yeah so i will keep this one short for sure i i i i wanted to take a minute right now take a moment and go back to putting my thoughts into this podcast format because i do miss it that's that's absolutely true uh that's for sure and i do want to go back to it and start building this discipline where every friday um every other week at least i am launching a new episode so i want to get get this episode out there and before i go i do want to say it will be it's just very important to keep challenging our status quo because i, I believe as humanity if we want to keep up with our pace of evolution we need to embrace change and beyond that we need to be aware of our process of change of how we are changing and how this roller coaster like we're in our roller coasters we're in our cycles we can change course we can change direction or at the very least introduce some kind of pit stop so that we can recharge our batteries and then get back at it again so I think if we want to make incredibly strong, powerful social uh, forms and essentially uh, social structures and in help us in making a better global status quo, we have to start within. Otherwise, we cannot possibly assume that we know what's best for each other if we can't even identify what is best for ourselves. Uh, and this is a very simple comparison right like this is this is such a simple uh this is such a simple ideology that has been taught to us i believe for very very long now like oh you can't love the other if you don't know how to love yourself and we've 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 gotten into the cycle of believing that that's come on that, that can be true like i love people i love i know how to love how can i possibly know how to love if i don't love myself initially right but the question is like really do you know how you wish to be loved and if you don't know how you wish to be loved and you have a way of loving the other then perhaps you are loving the other not in the way that they need to be loved but in the way that you need to be loved because this is uh so this is essentially food for thought <laughs> food for thought um i i know that this 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 particular episode was a bit all over the place but i'll 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 push it out into the world anyway 
I think there's some benefit in saying what's in our minds as it is in our minds. And this is some, this is what I'm working on right now in my head, in my own head, trying to understand what my status quo is like. What do I expect? Um, and what it is that I need versus what it is that I want out of life and out of my existence to make it less suffering, right? And more of a rewarding experience in which I can thrive. Uh, and in any case, <laughs> until next time, I guess. I will be in more songs starting from next week. No, I won't make that promise. It's a melting pot. That's what it is. It's not a potluck. <laughs> it's not a mixing pot. It's a melting pot. That is what I was looking for, ladies and gentlemen. I do apologize for uh, uh, something that I did, totally did not have to apologize for. So back to the topic. This is the, the question of subjectivity and the importance and the relevance of the status quo, right? And what it's actually been doing to our societies and why it's been setting us apart. I, I think it's, it's exactly this, right? Like we have a subjective, uh, we have a subjective experience of the universe, of our environment let's say, let's put it on a micro level, like uh, maybe not on macro scale, because universe is still is like too big of a concept to explore, I think, uh, at this stage. And our subjective experience of the universe against a status quo, which one might not necessarily be up to date, right, with our, with, with our pace of evolution, uh, which right now seems to be like, or I believe that it is like an emotional evolution, uh, right, like on an emotional level, on an emotional, on our emotional worlds, uh, which is to say that our, our senses, um, they are developing and they are downloading an increasingly overwhelming environment. And this, in, in this increasingly overwhelming environment, what we are downloading is not only overwhelming us, but clearly the status quo that we've been given is simply not equipped to know how to navigate these oceans. It's, it's like we were always basically swimming in our bathtubs. And over the course of a decade, we were... Uh, thrown from the bathtub into like a swimming pool which we didn't touch the ground and then we were thrown into the sea and then we were thrown into the ocean like it's it, it, it happened far too fast uh, and I feel like it's even less than that I feel like uh, between four past generations that I see like from from my generation having access to fast internet, uh, my brother's generation having access to internet, mine having access to fast internet, but from the age of 13, 14, to my nephew uh, having access to the internet from the age of, let's say, eight, nine, and now to my youngest that has access to fast internet since possibly like very early on, like a few months old. It is, it is, this is what I'm talking about. It is quite, it is quite insane. 
right to consider what people are learning and it's to no surprise to me that while now my generation is still learning about things like psychotherapy and like understanding what truly psychotherapy is about understanding how we develop our own psyches and how we develop them further to benefit us right instead of just feeding broken patterns and broken narratives um to my nephews and nieces already discussing about mental uh, illnesses and disorders or whatever because they're exposed to it on TikTok right this is the kind of difference of your status quo being challenged that i'm talking about my status quo involved and by my i mean like in, in my generation of a status quo from where i come from right my subjective experience was telling me that psychotherapy is actually uh is actually not necessarily for people who are ill or who need help right like as in like need pills or whatever like it's not because in my culture if you go to therapy like you're somehow a disease or you're somehow ill in the head or you know it's it's kind of it's still a taboo topic that's what i'm trying to say and uh it took me a while but early in my 20s when i started exploring psychotherapy and i started learning a lot more about psychology i'm like yeah okay i get it at some point i i i actually managed to destroy the taboo in my head that i want to go to therapy because i need help in 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 translating this world because it is overwhelming and it's getting increasingly overwhelming okay thank you for joining this kind of quick episode <laughs> Be mindful of yourselves, take care of yourselves, and be patient with yourselves. It's not easy and neither is it part of your responsibility to overwrite years and maybe thousands of years of evolutionary blueprints in your blood and bones. But I believe that our internal responsibility, our one sole responsibility, is to learn how to read ourselves how to better understand ourselves and uh and to be able to give ourselves what we need so that then we can easily identify and give that to the other and be in this way better for each other and better for our communities so i bid you good night thank you for joining in this flow and may you have found something in it to feed into yours